0: Minister, husband, father, Father. girl dad. What is your revolution? What is your revolution?
1: I I, you know it's a great question. My my revolution simply is I want to inspire people to do the right thing. Mm. That's why, you know, Dr. James Allen and I created this organization called Do the Right Things because and it's called D-U-E, do, because we're do. I mean we've been in this country we've been uh, you know as african-americans here far too long We're do fair housing we do affordable housing we do fair voting rights we're due equitable health care we do uh, you know uh, living wage we're i mean we're do so many things can i have your attention for a moment what's good about the
0: Welcome to the What's A Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporeau. What's good, revolutionaries? It's been a little while, but we're back and excited, Uh, excited to see you. We're in the fourth quarter, and... You know, we think about that football analogy, uh, revolutionaries. That you know, fourth quarter comes, and you know, people are raising that four, right? Because they know in the fourth quarter, this is where, this is where the game is actually really played, right? You've been working these first three quarters of the year, been answering that question, what we think is the most thought-provoking question, and now you're here in the fourth quarter, and you're wondering what you do, right? I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're actually not wondering that you're fulfilling that revolution, that you have. Been on this journey throughout the year to say, you know what, I want to get fitter, I wanna get better, I wanna be more thought-provoking, I wanna change my ways, I wanna be healthier, I wanna show up for my people, I wanna show up for other communities. I want to be a better version of myself, that when the clock strikes 1201 for 20 1201 2022, I know who I am and I'm better, and I can look back at this journey that I've been on in 2021. Right. I asked that question that first day of 21. What's my revolution? And I answered it. I found it. I put myself together. And then now I'm here. And so I ask you in this fourth quarter of this year to find your way. Right. To keep going to, as the good brothers of Omega Psi Phi always say, to persevere. Right in the face of the adversity that you may be facing to fulfill your revolution, I ask you to persevere. I also ask you to not be afraid to go out and ask for help. That's something about black men and men of color that we get we struggle with, right? We are the fighters, we are the providers, we are the purveyors of what we have to do. But I ask you, revolutionaries, to go out and say, you know what? I need to ask for help, right? In the fourth quarter, right? Sometimes it's the kicker that wins the game. It's not the quarterback or the running back or the wide receiver, right? It's the kicker, right? Or it's the d- defensive lineman that right made the crucial tackle, or it was the offensive lineup that made the crucial block that opened the gates for the running back or the quarterback. Go out and ask for help, and if you need that, you know you can always come to me and us at What's the Revolution. I'm excited for what's going to happen for this and the show. As you know, for those who follow me on Facebook, we've inked a deal. We're looking forward to really telling you more about this. But the What's Your Revolution podcast will become the What's Your Revolution podcast and TV show. And so I'm extremely excited about that and what it means for us as a community of people, as a community of revolutionaries, to be able to interview wonderful guests and to be highlighted all across the world. So I'm definitely excited about that. We will give you more information as we are allowed to. Right now I am under a NDA, so we are still working through that. So I'm excited to let you know what's going to happen next. My good friend here, Gary McCallum, and I were talking uh, in the green room, as I call it. And I want to give a shout out to my mentor, one of my mentors. I would not be able to sit in this space behind this mic as you hear the inflections of this voice, the joy that is in in my heart and in my soul, if it wasn't for Dr. Robert George Murray, the -hmm. pastor of the historic First Baptist Church, Butte Street, my church, my home church. Uh, for the last, well, we won't say, but I don't even remember, probably 36, 37, 38, 40, 45, maybe 48 years of my life. I remember Bertha and Charles taking me to church, to Butte Street Baptist. And I remember meeting this young man uh, as a 12 year old and his sons, Dr. Murray. And... This man has been a stalwart, uh, a leader of the community, not only in Norfolk, Virginia, Gary, as we talk about it, but all across the world, all across, all across yes. the world. President of Lock uh the Lock missionary, all across the world, his his image and his voice and his words have spoken out. And I remember so many times I could call on Pastor Murray and say, you know what, I've got a problem, I've got an issue, I've got a thought, I just want to talk to you. Yeah. And he would open his doors and say, you know what? Charles Chucky, <laughs> Charles Chucky, <laughs> Charles Chucky, Corporal, uh, come, come on in, and we would illuminate what was going on, and he would provide those words of wisdom. And a couple weeks ago, he decided that his shepherd, uh, his shepherdhood, we'll call it that of the historic First Baptist Church Butte Street, would come to an end, and that he would pass the baton on, and so I want to give reverence and deference to This wonderful, wonderful man, a leader of people, not just men, a leader of people, because I know my mother, Bertha Corporal, looks up to him and has given him her life. Right. And my father, as, as a wonderful man of himself, has seen Dr. Murray as a beacon of light. And so many people have come through those doors at the historic First Baptist Butte Street and said, you know what? I'm here because of Pastor Murray. And so I want to say thank you. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Murray, for all the wonderful years that you've given us for the leadership and the wonderful wisdom that you've given me. and I'm sure that Gary will talk about this as well and but you are what we should be, Dr. Yeah. Murray. In yeah. every sense of the word, if a leader needs an example of what it what they should be, they should look to you. So I want to say thank you, thank you, and thank you. As you know, I love this show and I love to bring amazing men on this show. Uh, and I get to spend time and I was, you know, there's a there's a lot of accolades that I could place on this brother. And in the green room, I asked him, said, so what title do you want me to give you? You know, all, all the things that you've done along the, this illustrious career of yourself. And I could I could go through go through this litany. And so he wanted me to say that he is a minister. He is a husband. He is a father. he is a girl dad. But right now, his biggest job is that he is the head. He is the head school. Or a head school instructor uh, for his young daughter uh, and so that is that that is the title that we will give Gary McCallum wonderful man of Omega uh, minister friend of the historic First Baptist uh, former senior executive at Cox communications intelligence officer for the US Army and a litany of other things that you've done in your life to show that your leadership stands out for us and so welcome to the what's your revolution show Gary McCallum how are you dear brother
1: I'm doing great. I I tell you, I'm sitting here beaming. I'm like, (laughs) I'm so full because I'm so proud of you. I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of your parents and and the the history, (laughs) the historic role that they played in our church and our community. And I don't know. I mean, God works in mysterious ways. And to be on this show with you, I mean, it is truly an honor. And Mm -hmm. I am so looking forward to this conversation. It's just, it's amazing. And you know, and the fact that you mentioned my pastor, Dr. Robert G. Murray. And you're, you, you hit it. I mean, this, this this man, oh my God. I mean, I I I struggled. I have to tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this real quick. Tell me, please. I never wanted to be a minister. Never I never wanted to be a minister because frankly, I I I I knew I had this call, but I never saw anybody who I wanted to be like or 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 really walked in that role the way I thought was worthy of being a minister. And then I met somebody years ago uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, by the name of Noel C. Taylor. Okay. He was a he was a minister in Roanoke, Virginia. And uh I met him and I was the last minister that he licensed to preach the gospel. He licensed me and then weeks later he passed away. Mm. He was the first. And then fast forward. I moved to the Hampton Rose area, and I meet Dr. Robert G. Murray, and it's just amazing to me how God has blessed me to meet these two men. It's it's not by accident that that bookend is there that I was licensed by him, and then uh, I'm going to break some news tonight. But I got a call from Dr. Murray uh, just a couple of days ago, mm. and he. Uh, said, you know, you. I'd like you to really consider going through the ordination process, mm. and I'd like to work with you on that. And I, my heart stopped because I just like, me. Am I worthy to to do that? And he says, Yes, you are. And so, Robert, Dr. Robert G. Murray. Just what you said, he is what we. I mean, God blessed him. I mean, beautiful wife, sons, the ministry. I've never seen him get angry. Mm, never, never, never. He, he walks in that light, and that's what I think. So many of us as men, uh, we can aspire to.
0: Yeah, I want to stay there. Uh, I want to stay here. And, and revolutionaries, don't don't get impatient with me. I will ask Gary what the you know our signature question. But I want to stay here for one second as we as we think about these models of leadership. Um, you know, you've been in a number of different leadership positions, but. Typically we 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 like to see things that we aspire to, right? We like to see people that we aspire to that that we can either pick and parse their leadership skills, you know, that we can then embody. Yeah. Talk about the importance of that of finding models to really embolden and encapture and encapsulate our leadership. And why are they important to continue to look at that from a, a wide perspective?
1: Yeah it's it's so critical. I mean I think about my life. I think I mean you know a little bit about my life. I mean I grew up in a housing project in in Richmond a place called Wickham Court. Uh, my my dad could not read or write. My mom had about a you know eighth grade education and uh, she died when I was 10. And you know from a very early age I had people who God put in my life. God by the name of Adolf Powell who was the first college graduate other than a teacher that I knew, and so I worked with him in gymnastics and sports and other things. And he, he, you know, he was that guy who, you know, even though I didn't have my dad living at home at the time, he was saying, "Don't go with those guys. You stay here." Uh, so you, you had those people you know, you had coaches and, 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 and just people, even as I, uh, you know, went off to college and there were, there were professors and even in the military, there were, there were military leaders and even in business, there were mentors and, you know, people who, you know, men who spoke to me and there were women too, don't get me wrong, but there were people who, who, who had those attributes that um, you just said, boy, if I just had a little bit of that, and I think the trick is, and you, you alluded to this earlier, is do we have the courage enough to ask the question? Yes. That's the issue. I, I think too many of us as men, we let our pride, we let our ego get in the way. We know we need help, but we don't ask the question. Right. I was one of those foolish guys who I would raise my hand and ask, how do you do that? I was that guy. And it's paid off.
0: Right. So how do you get out of your way? Right. There are people who are listening and, and, and you said, you, you know, it's not foolishness, but, you know, the deference that we pay to ourselves. How do you get out of the way of asking for help? Because, you know, a, a, as men, we're socialized that, you know what, tinker with it. Right. <laughs> Play with it. Right. You'll figure it out. But there well, are I, big. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I, you know, for me, I'll, I'll be honest with you. You know, the, the scripture tells us that we should not have a spirit of fear. Uh, but a love power and a a sound mind. But I'll be honest with you. I was motivated by fear. One, you know, I grew up very poor and I was afraid of staying that way. That was one thing. But also, I remember having this image when I was a very little child, you know, my mom, single mom raising us, my dad didn't live with us. And I remember this fear I had because I thought that being a man was knowing how to work on a car, quote unquote, work on a car. Right. Mm-hmm. And I and there were other men in our neighborhood in this housing project who would show their sons or their their brothers, young brothers, how to work on cars. And I didn't have anybody around. So I was afraid that I was never going to be a man because I didn't know how to work on cars. I, I, that was it was. And so that fear of not knowing how to do something, it motivated me to sit in the front of the class. Mm-hmm. It motivated me to raise my hand. It motivated me to ask all those kinds of questions that I didn't, I didn't know how to do it. So I, I there was somebody who knew how to do it. So I asked the question.
0: Yeah. And we've got so to get out of be, way and ask be, the way. You, you
1: got to get out of the way.
0: Yeah. Don't let it, your it, ego it, and your
1: arrogance and all of that stuff, you know, pride, get in the way.
0: Yeah, I- I- exactly. Exactly. Leon Kesey. Don't let that don't let that get in the way, dear brother. Um, that's one of your chapter brothers up uh, up at Beta Delta Delta. <laughs> you no, know, one of my good friends of 30 plus years, Leon Kesey, doing well. Shout out to you, dear brother.
1: Um, Shout out, bro. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm so proud of what has happened at JMU. Little did I know that in fall of 79 that it would do this. I really did not. Had no idea.
0: Yeah, they are some amazing men. I actually had a a, a wonderful call with uh, Chris Powell, who's actually Spring '90, who's a good friend of mine. We went to Green Run together, and uh, just a wonderful foundation of of, of men uh, that have come through that chapter there and have are, are doing ama- have and are doing amazing things in the world. Uh, brother brother, Dr. Anthony Perdue has been on the show uh, a number of times and his latest book is out Purpose to Power. I ask everybody to go out and check out that book to figure out how you turn your purpose into power and, and make it your life's work and uh, all of the amazing things. Gary, I want to come back for a second and just to, to, to put a pin on this conversation uh, around leadership. As you've been in this space to you, what does good leadership look like? You know, I'm a I'm a young 30 year old. I'm going into this first high paying job and I've been given this leadership position. What are you saying to them about what good leadership looks like and where should they go if they don't think that they have the tools to be a great leader?
1: Yeah, I, I think first is the recognition that there's a huge difference between leadership and management. A lot of times we get that confused. We think that management and leadership are synonymous of the same thing, and they're not. I mean, you can manage projects, you can manage machines, and you can manage a lot of non-personal things, but you have to lead people. You, you have to connect with people. You have, to, you have to create a connection where people are not just simply bringing their hands to the project, but they're bringing their hearts to the project.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, I, I was the kind of guy who I didn't smoke, but I was at the the smoke break area. Yeah. You know, I, I was that kind of GM. If you, if you, you know, that's how I was because I wanted to understand what was going on uh, so that people could bring what I would call their entire selves to work. Because what happens in in organizations, and we know this. People people show up, but they don't show up fully. You know, they they get to the car, they they drive in, they they do their commute, they get into the parking lot, and and then all of a sudden, you know, they turn off the car. And before they get out of the car, they put a mask on, mm. and then they go into the organization, and you don't really know the real person because yeah. they have the mask on. Yeah. And what wow. I tried to do, whether I was in the military or even in my business career, is how do you create an environment where people can take the mask off mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so that they can truly be themselves in the workplace. Because then they're not just bringing their hands to work. They're bringing their heart to work. And if, and if they're bringing their heart to work, the only problem you're going to have is whether or not their value system doesn't line up with the organization. And if their value system doesn't line up with the organization then the thing you can do is to help them get to another place right because maybe that's not the right place for them if that makes sense
0: brother it it makes a whole lot of sense and so you know my revolutionaries are like lord he about to go on one of his he about to go one of his diatribes (laughs) here um i promise revolutionaries no not today uh maybe a little later but i i feel you on that and i i I, I want to give a shout out to the organization that I work for, Camelback Ventures, and and our wonderful CEO, Aaron Walker, is that we get to show up fully, right? And that is a wonderful thing when you have an organization that is couched in in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know those are the hot those are the hot words now, and everybody's like, "Oh, we don't want to talk about." It. Yeah, you you need to talk about it. Yes. Um, because what happens and, and and I don't need to get into all the science and all the statistics about organizations and businesses who have a who are diverse equitable and inclusive and how their bottom line are increased exponentially right increase you heard that revolution they're increased exponentially but one thing you said Gary that I I love is that there's never a point when I go into work virtually these days when, right, that I, I got to put, you know, as Paul Lawrence Dunbar said, we, we wear the mask. I got to put this mask on. I'm just I'm just Charles, right? I don't have to be Dr. Corporate because he's a dick. Um, I don't, you know what I'm saying? I don't have to be, right, anything else but Charles. I bring my full self to this. And what happens when people can bring their full selves? And I think there are conversations around what that means for people these days, right? What does it mean to be your full self in your workplace, in your home, in your communities? And we're having a lot of culture wars about that because people are saying that, well, because your full self doesn't look like my full self, OK, revolution is. Yeah, I know I went there. Um, your full self doesn't look like my full self. I don't want you over here with me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Or I, I've got a negative term or a negative characterization for you. Right. Your values may be the same, but you, your full self is a little bit different or a lot different from me. So I really don't want you here and that's the problem that way yeah and i said it that's the problem that we have in our country and around the world is that we fail to seek the time to spend people who don't look like us that don't act like us that don't dress like us that listen to different things because i promise revolutionaries when you get the opportunity to experience something different your mind grows Yes. Right. So stop being stop being in this case. Stop being small minded. Allow your mind to grow experience something that is not yours. And I am one of those people. Right. I haven't always been this person revolutionaries. I haven't. But one thing I learned about being Dr. Corporal that I couldn't go out in the world with this PhD behind my name and say that I didn't know about the experiences of other people, especially as a psychologist. So, Gary, you are right. If you're going to leave, if you're going to lead and not manage, and that is the difference, right? Have your people bring their hearts to work because when people bring their hearts to the work, as I can say at Camelback Ventures, every day we bring our hearts to the work of working with entrepreneurs who are women and people of color to amplify their work. And shout out to my sis, Kelly Saulny, who's right now currently putting on our Guardian Summit where we're bringing the brightest minds in the country coming together to talk about what it means to be guardians for entrepreneurship, when it comes to women and people of color, so Gary, thank you. And revolutionaries, excuse me, when you get me talking about diversity, yeah. and that's that's my thing. I'm gonna
1: move this. Can I can I, can I make one point on this before I know you're gonna move? Sure, it. I'll please, be please about go this. ahead. But I think the issue is change. You know, you show me something that is not changing, and I'll show you something that is dying. Mm. And and I think that's really what we're talking about is that you know, again, bringing your whole self to work you you the the beauty the contribution you're making is you're helping that organization to change yes Mm. change is necessary it's hard don't get me wrong we like being in our comfort zone (laughs) all of us we're creatures of habit but there's no growth in that show me anything that is not changing and i'll show you something that is dying Mm. Mm. And we want our organizations we want our lives we want we want everything to be growing and so, change is absolutely necessary, regardless of how hard it is.
0: It is. You're, you're exactly right, and uh, th- that statement. Well, that's how we've always done it, <laughs> uh, and that's why organizations die. Right, yeah. their inability to pivot, their inability to change the the see the the market change and the shifts. We've always done it this way, right? Guess what? Kodak went out of business because they couldn't pivot, <laughs> exactly. right? right they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't figure out how well we had a market where people were bringing their films to us When I mean, you remember the little kodak shacks yeah where where's kodak um here, i want to move this conversation because you know i i moved home moved back home to virginia and um my mother and i watch tv a lot together um that's our time my mother my father and myself we watch tv a lot we have dinner in the you know and there's there are talk shows on and different things and one of the things as you as you know very well the political scene the political runs are still in full effect and i am seeing right consciously where we are not really talking about leadership we're talking about how to scare the 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 the, the, the political the the political uh, the word that is, is losing my mind, this, our civic duty around who are we going to vote for. So that was the long way uh, of saying that. And I get tired of seeing these negative ads. And I want, you know, I, I want to spend a little time about our political climate. But I want to couch this conversation, Gary, in the fact is, what are the solutions around what needs to happen in government for us to be a thriving country? That's the question. Because I we are defunct. We are default. <laughs> we are we are we are 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 evil in every sense of the word when it comes to politicians on either side of the aisle and I want to know what do we need to do to get us out of the muck and of where we are so I can feel good about being an American citizen.
1: Yeah. Now it's a great question and I I think it really it, it we have to understand that the that the most important political title in our country is not president is not, you know, chief justice of the Supreme court is not speaker of the house, but the most important title that you can hold in our land is citizen. Mm. That's, that's really the fun. It's government for the people and by the people. And I think that's the issue that has clouded what we see today. People think that, Oh, I can't do anything. No, you can. All these folks from the president on down, they all work for you. And it's critical that you never forget that, that you vote, but not only vote, because again, when you vote, basically what you're doing is you're hiring somebody to represent you. They work for you. But once, once they work for you, there is a requirement for you to stay engaged with them to make sure that they're doing what you want them to do. And I don't think we do a very good job of that. I mean, the re- one of the reasons why I co-founded an organization called Do The Right Things. It's not D-O, it's D-U-E. D-U-E, the right things.org, was for this very reason. Because I think we need to be, we need to be clear that the citizens of this country, of our city, our county, our state, our, our, our nation, that we are the ones who are in charge. It's not the people you see on Fox or CNN or MSNBC. We are the people. And I think we lose sight of that. We think somehow that we're powerless and we can't do anything, but we can. And I think we need more of us, not just simply subscribing necessarily to a political uh, uh, philosophy, but we are subscribing to what's right Because I'll be honest with you, there really needs to be more of us, not just simply saying, well, everything's right over here on this side of the aisle politically, or everything's right on this side of the aisle. No, there are things that are being done by both political parties that, frankly, are not in the best interest of the citizens. Exactly. I'll use a football analogy. We need we need more referees. We need people (laughs) who are going to call the flag. On whichever team
0: right, right, is right, offside. Right,
1: whichever right. team. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. But you need to have people who are engaged. And that's why, particularly for young people who may be listening to this, to this uh, conversation, uh, the, the system counts on you not being engaged. They count on you not voting. They count on you not speaking up. And that's why we have the government that we have. We have yeah. the government, frankly, that we asked for.
0: Ooh, man! Yeah, you, you're you're dropping it. Um, it goes back to that conversation that we had earlier. Just if if you're not changing, you're dying. And in my belief, right now, what we're seeing is a dying right. We're is a dying nation, right? We we are corrupting at our core because we are we are we are fighting. We we are fighting, and we are allowing the what we have done as you said the people that we've hired we're allowing them to fight a fight that is not ours yeah did you yeah. hear that revolutionaries we're allowing people to fight a fight that's not our fight at the end of the day and so the question that i know that's on my revolutionaries mind is like gary you said th- this engagement right but what can i do right i don't have a i don't have a million dollars to donate i'm i'm not a coke right uh i'm not an echoing green i, I i'm i'm not you know, I'm just one person. How do I get involved? How do I how how do I amplify my voice? Because you know what, there are times and days where I'm like, you know what, Joe, what are you doing? What are you doing, Joe? Because look, this is not look. I I went through four years of you know of not you, and right now I'm a little I'm a little like, yo, what are you doing? Like so, how can the average person? be more engaged to have an
1: impact on what's going on with our civic leaders? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. First of all, I'll start by saying that this this effort is not a, a solo activity. It's a team game. Mm-hmm. And so the thing I would ask anyone listening to this is, what organizations are you aligned with? You know, are, are you 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 know what you feel passionate about? There are organizations out there that feel the same way. So are you affiliated? Are you are you you know on you know are you going to the meetings? Are you on the Zoom calls? Are you you know? And again, it doesn't take. I Again, I know we're busy, but this is important. So it's it, you can't do this by yourself. It's a team game. So align yourself with people who are thinking the way that you're thinking. That's that's that. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is, show up. You know, you don't have to have a million dollars, but you can show up at your city council, your mm. school board. <laughs> you can, you can. You know, I was at my my city council the other night. You know, just calling them out because that's what you have to do. You, hopefully, you, you didn't. Cannot hopefully. Sit, yeah, you cannot sit there and let things happen and not speak up. You cannot. You know, Dr. King said it this way: that when when we, when we uh, uh, allow the—I'm paraphrasing—when we allow things to happen, uh, our, our days begin to end. When we don't speak up against things that matter, things that matter—that's that, what happens. And so all I'm saying is, you can't don't let your days end. Speak up. Speak up. Don't, don't be silent about this stuff. Show up at a school board meeting. Show up at a city council. Write a letter to the editor. Write a letter to your representative, because again, they work for you. You can do something. You don't need to have a million dollars in the bank to do that. Now, if you do have some money, support those candidates that are talking about what you're talking about, supporting things that you're talking about. And then if they are elected, hold them accountable.
0: Hold them accountable. And the interesting thing I think that we we need to say here as well, Gary, is that we could pool our money. And 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 that's yeah. the thing, right? Uh, if you remember the Obama campaign back in two thousand eight, five dollars, ten dollars, right? Were allow, you know, were allowed. When I say were given to him, to basically th- the catapulted him to his first election. But I, I I started laughing because I, you know, I as you said, so show up at your school board meeting, right? Show up at your council meeting, and I'm thinking of what's going on with school boards around the country uh, oh about God. vaccines and and mass mandates and how people are showing up at meetings i think that we have to show up at meetings and this is just my opinion we have to show up in a meeting in in a uh, in a a manner that is conducive to people listening to what we're trying to say right and in my opinion the loudest voices are the voices that are, are are not always heard
1: yeah it
0: is how you are coming across and if time and time again right if we are coming to school board meetings and we're speaking up or we're coming to school uh city council meetings and we're and we're speaking up or you know we're getting behind for well for Pharrell Williams, you know, when you know, he, he is making a statement about, right, when you have the capital, when you have the political and social capital that will allow you to say, I'm going to take away, right, millions of dollars in revenue because I don't feel that this has been handled correctly. That's power, right? And power, power is exerted upon us time and time again. And so right or wrong, uh, whether you agree with Pharrell or not, because this is what happens all the time. People will exert their power, their financial power to influence. And we see this all the time with Pax. And so Pharrell, and shout out to his mother, uh, who uh, we worked together so long at Great Neck Middle School, a uh, wonderful, wonderful woman. Um that he is using, the, he is using his social and political capital to at least have the conversation. And so, if you don't have the Pharrell capital, how do you pull You come together. I see all these friends of something, right, that have come together to say we're going to make a statement. You know, friends of Green Run High School, right? Uh, maybe I'm just dreaming about what a friends of Green Run High School could look like. Um, you know, shout out to my alma mater. Um, Stallions of six and zero. But how do we make sure that we are coupled together? Because we're seeing it. But if you find something that you believe in so so fervently and heartfelt, bring your people together. So I hear that. Anything else that you want to add to that about? using your political capital or or getting in front of situations to make sure that you feel like you are about your
1: civic duty. Yeah, I I, again, you've kind of hit and used Pharrell as the example. Um, I I had an opportunity to speak out on that issue with him deciding not to uh, move forward with the Something in the Water Festival again uh, uh, next year here in Virginia Beach. And frankly, I agree with what he did. I really think he made the right decision because, and and he described it, he talked about the toxic energy that, that I think his words were that the city is led by and with this toxic energy uh, and that he could not see himself participating in that. And I think that, that was a that was a great decision. But I can tell you also that there are a number of people that live here, that are here full time, who knew that that toxic energy existed a long time ago. That's why, you know, years ago I was marching down Atlantic Avenue saying, you know, we need a disparity study. We need these, you know, and then there were a number of people saying to me, Gary, why are you doing this? You're successful. Why, you know, this is not your issue. No, it is because while it involves me, it's not about me. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, the reason I do what I do. And I think I, I, to, to answer your question, I think where we miss this, is somehow we think that this race is a race that only involves you and it's kind of what we talked about with Dr. Murray earlier it's not a single race it's a relay the question is you're running this race you're doing what you've been called to do but you're going to hand that baton over to somebody else and so it's almost as like we, we we it's it's like we've we've said well, I'm only going to you know, take care about the issues that I'm concerned about. And then when I finish my race, because we don't get out of this alive, you know that. That's just not how it works. You, you, you enter this world, and at some point, you die. So I, I don't want to be more of it, but that's the truth of this. So my question is, once you're gone, what happens? Who have you handed the baton to? Who takes it on? It's almost like we run our race, we're gone, and we throw the baton up into the stand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not any good. Now the next generation has to go and search and mm-hmm. there's the baton. And now they're late. They're starting behind. No, you got to run the race. You got to put the next generation in a position to go as fast and as far to run their leg as successful as they can. And that's what we have to do. This involves us, but it's not about us. It's not about us. Brother I Griffin. mean, my, my, I got to say this real quick. Go ahead. I looked at a census in 1900, and I looked at my, you know, my great grandparents. Who, who that census? They asked the question, you know, can you read? Can you write? You know, they asked a couple. None of them, my great grandparents, my grandparents, none of them could read or write. None of them. This was in 1900 in North Carolina, and here I am, <laughs> the great grandson of the of this man, but he knew that this involved him, but it wasn't about him. That's what we're talking about. None of us gets out of this alive, so what are we going to do for the next generation? So we should be writing the letters. We should be doing all this stuff. And more importantly, what should be, we should be doing, and this is why I'm very passionate about mentoring and working with young men. I teach a class, a Zoom class, everywhere. How do we make sure that we're teaching the next generation so that they can pass the baton on and keep this thing moving
0: yeah no doubt i just want to put a a a book on on this one of our amazing entrepreneurs deshante parks is the ceo of a thousand more i ask everybody to go to a thousand more one zero 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 more.com and if you want to really get involved in the political advocacy and know what's going on at the local state and national level and right now in the beta version of this app it's really around the national level go deshante Moore is a, a, a parks is a wonderful CEO and this app really will allow you to figure out where you can put your feet into the political climate uh political climate mean, she is a current camelback fellow in our 2021 class but she is an amazing entrepreneur, and this app is a game changer. It is the revolution that we need when it comes to understanding how we can be more politically savvy. So, shout out to Deshante. Gary, I want to move this conversation because you know you talk about it's not about us, right? But the the roles that we have in understanding that we're a part of this race, right? We're running, we're running this race. And I said a shout out to my sis Kelly Soni. Because she talks about generational inheritance, mm-hmm. and it's interesting that you bring that up. And I know that uh, as you've left uh, left your other positions, entrepreneurship has been one of your passions, right mm-hmm. one, one of your one of your passions. And I want to spend a little time here thinking about what does entrepreneurship look like in your eyes, and how do people, how do we, right, how do we people that look like us, really begin to think about starting businesses that are good for our communities. What does that look like for you? And so, you know, thinking about that.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, I think the mindset has to be changed too too long. I think we, in our community, uh, we've been taught to get a quote unquote good job. And I think the mindset has to be changed to not just get a good job, but how do you create a job? And even if you get a job, you don't have to be one dimensional. I mean, I, I remember being in LA years ago and I was talking to LL Cool J. He doesn't remember it, but I remember the conversation. We were at the, I think the BET Music Awards or some event, And, you know, he has this brother who's, you know, rapper, actor, entrepreneur. I mean, you don't have to be one dimensional. And I think that's the mindset we have that, Somehow we we can just get a job and then we're, that's it. No, you don't have, you can do a number of things. Mm. I mean, I, and, and I think that's the mindset change that we have to make. But the other thing is, is that I believe that we have to be thinking about uh, what are the things necessary to create wealth within our community? Mm. And one of the biggest issues, I teach another class on this one, is the biggest deterrent to creating wealth in our community is being in debt. Mm, talk about I, that. You know, talk I, about I, that. I, I, you know, I, I will not to brag here, but I, I've had for my 60th birthday, I went out and I bought myself a Bentley. Mm. Now let was me be Was that you at the Townsend the other day in that black Bentley? I don't, I don't you? know. If it, no, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, have, I have a gray one, but here's my point. <laughs> the Bentley is mine. There are no car payments. It's all mine. So I'm just letting you know. But my point is, is that I've had young people say, well, boy, how how do you do that? I'm like, well, well, being a millionaire, is not as hard as you think it is. Mm. And they're like, really? I'm like, no, I said, I don't dance. I don't rap. I don't I can't dunk a basketball. I can't do any of that. But let me tell you how you can do it. At 17, if you save one hundred dollars a month, you don't have to do it. But for 10 years, that's twelve hundred a year. Ten years, that's twelve thousand dollars at twelve percent when you're six. 65, you got a million and a half dollars in the bank. Wow. And they're like, no, yeah. no, show Listen me them the that. math. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? So I'll show, I'll show them the math, how you do that. And then, you know, obviously they'll say, well, 65 is old. And I'm like, no, it's not that old. I'm 61. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I probably can, I probably can good, outrun boy. you. you know, I, I can probably get outrun, you know, you, some of you 17-year-olds at hundred-yard yeah. dash right now. But my, my point is, is that the biggest deterrent that we have in terms of wall building in our community is consumerism buying stuff that we don't need. Mm. You can't afford McDonald's. You can't afford Chick-fil-A. You can't really, you think you can, but you can't. You know, you'd be better off. The statistics I once statistic i saw that that if you just took your lunch to work for your entire career, you would have saved $115,000 over your mm. over your career. Just taking wow. your lunch to work. Just taking and not only would you work. be better off financially, be but healthier. you'd be healthier. That's yeah, exactly you,
0: right. Right. You'd be healthier.
1: So, so my point is, is that, yes, you can have a job, but you can also be thinking about what is it that God gifted you with that people would pay you to do Mm. and do it. Don't don't, you know, go ahead and do it. I have people who pay me right now to help them with their businesses. Uh, Most most of it, I do it for free because I don't, you know, I don't really charge
0: you. You know, when you know what you're doing. Right? Exactly,
1: yeah, exactly. It, Are there the people thing. who will pay you to do it. And I think that's, it's getting out of this mindset of just getting a job, but how do I create a job? How do I do that?
0: Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And one thing that we work with our entrepreneurs at Camelback is what's your unique value proposition, right? Yeah. What can you do that no one else can do? Or what can you provide that solves a problem that no one else can provide? Exactly. Why Why you and why this? Right. Why you and why this? Go ahead, Gary.
1: And if I, one other thing, if I, if I can say this, and if you do this thing uh, in a way financially, you can put yourself in a position to create an accredited uh, status for yourself where you can get involved in deals where you don't necessarily have to be, you know, operationally involved. Is just, you're letting your money do the work for you.
0: Exactly. Angel investing. And, and that's the thing, you know, we could, I could spend a whole whole conversation <laughs> yeah. on the barriers to angel investing right that limit uh certain communities but once you get there having the ability to having the ability to come together and and you think about and that's one of the things that i'm seeing gary when we talk about building wealth and entrepreneurship i'm seeing more coalitions of black and brown folks around angel investing and venture capital who are pooling monies to work together who are then funding black and brown businesses, right? Because we know that only 2%, 2% or less capital go to women of color, right? Thinking about that. But some of the greatest minds in entrepreneurship and some of the greatest ventures are created by, right, and for communities of color and thinking about that, but where does the capital come from? But when we have the ability to create that wealth and then be able to disseminate it and have that wealth, then create cycles of wealth. That's the thing. That's what we're trying to do and thinking about that. And so revolutions you're asking, well, you know, how do I do this and I'm not an accredited angel investor? Well, you don't have to be an accredited angel investor if you got 10 friends, right? Who under right, and then you begin to learn. Do your due diligence. Understand what it means to fund. What it look, what are the returns? Understand like I do this every day. But understand that Right. And so you can create the wealth and then the IRS, you know, all, all of that to get you to the accredited angel investor stage. But there are opportunities to do this. And yes. I want you to think about what it means to pool wealth, to come together, because I think that we've gotten out of that, yeah. that individually let me try to make this money when oftentimes what our ancestors did was come together. Right. And it didn't have to be financially. They came together to bring food and community and family and and crops and all different things to make sure that they had wealth. That's what happened. We've yeah. got to get back to that. We've got to get back can, to that. Can I mindset. say one thing? Can yes, I say please. one thing real quick?
1: You know, most of I, most of my family, we my ancestors, they share cropped mm-hmm. in the South. Yes. Share cropping is as, as with all the negative connotations around it was entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. In other words, I went out, I didn't own the land. My my family didn't own the land, but they went out there and said, okay, you give me the seed, you give me the land, I'll work the land, I'll produce everything. And then we'll figure out a way to split what's left. Mm -hmm. In other words, that's what they were doing. And somehow we've gotten away from that, that we can, that we can be in charge, we can run things. We we we, run, we're, we we can run things. We really can run things. We
0: see this in you know my my IG feed is full of entrepreneurs. Uh, you know the 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 one to ten rum that just came out with the collaboration with uh, Sierra and the founder. I'm seeing all of these creations of black businesses that are created by brothers that look like you and me. It it can be done. I think about uh, brother Chris Senegal in. Houston, who's who who started buying up the block in real estate in Houston, right? Uh, um, out in some of the some of the uh, you know what used to be some of the most you know violent wars, being able to shift right, but also keep the money in the community, and thinking about that, right? I think about what could happen in Norfolk, Virginia, if, if we began to think about what does community redevelopment look like when it when it is done for and by us. You know, that is that is a very interesting thing. So, revolutionaries, I I think what we're asking you to do is think about how you can find a a trustworthy cadre of folks to say how can we create and and how can we create wealth? What is our unique value proposition? Mm
2: -hmm. What
0: can we offer? What can we find and build together? Gary, we're running out of time, brother, and I, I hate it. It always goes by fast, but I I want to talk about this really quickly. Um, and not really quickly, but to spend a little bit of time on it. Is that too often we don't talk about the relationship that men have with their faith. And I know as you, as you talk about this, um, you know, uh, as a man of faith, you know, a minister, as, as a part of the the identities that you have. What is the importance of faith in a man's life and how does it dictate their walk?
1: Yeah, I I think it's 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 the most important thing. I mean, Scripture tells us that we are, you know, we're made in the image and likeness of God. God was a trinity. That's what my faith tells me. You know, he was a spirit. Christ walked the earth in the flesh Uh, that we, we have. God the Father. And so we, like God, are a trinity. You know, we have a physical body that we, you know, some of us work out, some of us don't work out. <laughs> you know, some of us overeat, some of us don't. Uh, we we have, uh, well, I'll call it a soul, which, you know, it, uh, creates our, our emotions and our, you know, our feelings and all of those kinds of things. And, you know, we have, you know, we have a spirit, which, you know, that that's who we are. And so my my course that I ask a lot of young men, you know, when you look at that trinity of you, who's calling the shots in your life? Because if it's if it's just your flesh. In other words, it's if, if you're making decisions only on the way you feel. That's not a, mm-hmm. a good way to go through life. Wow. Because you may feel one way one day day, and you may feel another completely. How many times have you made a decision and you (laughs) thought you were so right? And then five minutes later or five years later, you say, man, I was not wrong. I wasn't like a little bit wrong, but I was like, I mean, I wasn't even in the neighborhood. I wasn't even in the same zip code. I was Mm. so wrong. But at that time, you you thought you were so right. Mm. That's because the person calling the shots was not the person of your trinity who should be calling the shots. And we're talking about faith. Right. If we're not led by the Spirit, if we're not letting that person sit at the head of your table, that part of your trinity, the Spirit in you connected with the Holy Spirit, you're going to make all kinds of mistakes. Mm. If you're letting your decision-making be ruled by how you feel or even your intellect, Cause some of us are so smart that we're, <laughs> I won't say it, but you know what I mean? We're, 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 we got, we got so many, you know. So many degrees. <laughs> so many degrees that so we just degrees. think we know everything.
0: Man, And so uh... my
1: point is, is that I don't, I don't know how other people do it. I think the way for me, you know, I, I've, 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 i got academic experience. I've been trained in the military, trained in business, so many courses and yeah. I, the thing that gets me is that when I look back over my life and I, I see this thread from Wickham Court, that housing project, to where I am now, I know that there is no way in, there's no way in the world that I could have done this because of my intellect. There's no way I could have done this because of my physical proudness. I'm not 6'9. I can't dunk. I can't do any of that. The only way that this could have happened, the only way is because of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I, you know, that's how I, I I I look at this. Yeah. And so to me, it's all about your faith. Yeah. N- knowing that that's the key. You can't do this by yourself. You can't do it by strength and might and your smarts and your degrees and your bank account and all that because some of that stuff at some point is going to go to the wayside and then what are you left with
0: right or get or get in the way get in the way gary exactly good friend says oh you're dr corporing me (laughs) <laughs> Meena, <laughs> Meena, look, meaning, me, look, meaning. You just, you just got too smart for this conversation, right? You know, like that. That, that's your way of not really, you know, going in, giving me the the politically savvy answer, not not allowing faith to guide you.
2: Yeah.
0: Gary, I would be remiss if I did not ask this question. Uh, and shout out to my dear brother-in-law, brother Seiko Varner, who is the wonderful engineer of this show. Thank you. Go, who makes who makes this who makes this show go, I, I want to thank you, brother, for all the work that you do uh, in taking the show to the next level. But Gary, this this is the What's Your Revolution show, so I need to ask you that question. Gary McCallum, minister, husband, father, girl dad, head head school master for the for the McCallum School of Excellence. What is your revolution?
1: I, I you know it's a great question. My my revolution simply is. I want to inspire people to do the right thing. Mm. That's why, you know, Dr. James Allen and I created this organization called Do the Right Things because, and it's called D-U-E, do, because we're due. I mean, we've been in this country, we've been, you know, as African-Americans here, far too long. We're do fair housing. We're do affordable housing. We're do fair voting rights. We're due equitable health care. We're due, uh, you know, uh, living wage. We're, I mean, we're due so many things, but yet it hasn't happened. And so, you know, my revolution is to be what I said earlier, and that is, let's be that referee. Let's call the flag. Yeah. Let's Let's put sunshine in places where there hasn't been any sunshine. You know, let's be that disinfectant because too many things have been done in our community, frankly, that have been done, you know, in those, you know, closed doors where people don't have access. Too many people have been uh, without a voice to speak up. Too many people have had their homes and their land taken from them. Too many people have had, you know, issues or, that have that just plagued them on the job. Where they've been taken advantage of. And so if we can do anything to help people do the right thing, that's my revolution. Yeah. And I love uh, that. So I that's it. it.
2: No. Hopefully yeah. people
1: will, will go to the site do the right It's a 501c4. Um, but if you need, and we're there to not only say, you know, what needs to be done better, but if something's going right, we want to highlight those items too. Yes. And if you need help, we're here to help. We don't want people out there feeling like it's hopeless because there are people out there ready, willing and resource to help you uh, to get through this. Gotcha.
0: Gary, we appreciate it. We appreciate the time. This has been uh, a joy and joy you know, something that I was anxious and excited about, something, you know, as we were able to put this on the books. Shout out to my uh, wonderful associate, Sarah, who makes this go as well, her and Seiko are my team, um, being able to make sure that this happened. You are a leader among leaders, and we appreciate all that you have done. you know, the next time I see the next time I see that Bentley down at town and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be that as you. You heard that revolutionist? he said he bought a Bentley cash. Um, so that's how you do it. That's how you know that you've created a space for you and your family, that there's an opportunities for you to live the life that you want, that you're living purpose to power, as uh, Dr. Badu says. Um that's that's where we want to go and i appreciate you for telling that story and being open for us gary thank you for all that you do revolutionaries as i said early in the show it is the fourth quarter of 21 what are you going to do how are you answering right how are you fulfilling your answer of your revolution right four right it's time to make sure that you are still working that you are persevering we are excited we are excited for your journey, and I look forward to hearing all about what happens to you in these last three months of the year. I love you. I love you. It's great to see you. Great to hear from you. Shout out to the good brothers of Pi Gamma chapter, Spring '96, as they celebrate their 25th anniversary this year. Shout out to you, all the good, all all of those good brothers who are, who, who helped me through grad school. Right, some of the best times of my life were spent at Norfolk State. With those good brothers of Spring 96. So thank you. Shout out to you. Enjoy your time together as a family. I look forward to spending time with you. Take care, revolutionaries, and always be able to answer what we think here is the most thought provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? Peace, everyone. I love you. God I love you. Bless. God bless. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love what's you. What's the revolution? What's your revolution? What's your revolution? What's your revolution? What's the revolution?
1: <laughs> I, the, the, this is so. old this cup is probably older than you are. I don't know if you uh-huh. can get, you see the faded gold letters there. So
0: don't, don't say that. Don't, 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 don't say that. Uh, we, we are always look. We are always in good company with each other, and I'm excited. I am definitely excited about what we are what we are about to do, and it means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to our revolutionaries. So we're just gonna go ahead and
2: jump in.